See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Welcome to the Human Derek Podcast, connecting you with the seven fundamentals of life that will take you to the next level. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. I forgot to turn off the metronome. Why am I whispering? Hey, one, two, three, four. Here we go. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Human Derek Podcast. And uh, today's guest is pretty awesome, pretty exciting stuff. Um, One of the things that's really excited me over the last, what is it, May... We'll go, you know, March. I was actually looking at sort of getting clear on when the whole pandemic thing hit. I could very clearly see from my yoga, my core power hot yoga check-ins. And it was like, boom, 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 like two, three a week. And then March 7th. And then one time in June, because I think we tried to reopen. And then nothing for a while. So one of the things that's really fascinating to me since March 7th, 2020 is the change, the adaptation that humans have made. And I really am um, excited for today's guest because he's somebody that took, you know, really saw like, hey, this is now is the time and took his business to that next level and used the time and technology that we have, you know, especially in the US we have access to, although that's a good topic in terms of uh, uh, what's growing in other parts of the world and cryptocurrency being, you know, really becoming a, a universal uh, currency regardless of, of where you're at unless you, you know, literally have no access to the internet. But you got Elon Musk putting satellites in the sky and getting Wi-Fi everywhere for all humans and um, cryptocurrency really taking off in some of the more impoverished countries. It's really cool. But anyways, today's guest, Max Holodrith. And oh, you know what? Uh, let me backtrack because you know what? We didn't talk about coffee yet. And we have to talk about coffee. Coffee is coffee is the driving force of this podcast. This is the fuel for the Human Derek podcast. So I'll actually tell you a little backstory. I didn't um, really consume coffee at all until I was around 25, maybe. I'm going to say 25, 24, 25, 26 was probably when I first started drinking coffee. Um, You know, did it going to college and and working full time. I found like, okay, this is a cool, cool source of a little extra extra brain activity. And I did a lot of energy drinks in my late teens, early 20s, mostly like the sugar-free, like uh, was that Rockstar back in the day, that kind of stuff. Wasn't a Red Bull guy. I was more of a Rockstar person, the big white can. It just seemed like it really fueled me up with all the vitamins. Probably not super good looking back, but it was always very active when I was doing it. I was like drinking it, playing basketball, just being very active. So you kind of sweat it out. Anyways, coffee. Coffee as a fuel. You may have noticed I had a little bit of coffee today after hot yoga. Um, to get back into the hot yoga studio. Loving that. So uh, Guadalupe Roastery is what I was getting at. Let's talk Guadalupe Roastery and then get into today's podcast. So Guadalupe Roastery has been uh, supporting the mission of this podcast. Why I shouldn't, I can't actually say that. I don't know if they support the mission, but they like when we talk about them and it's really good. And I drink them 
daily. Yes, daily. I can say that. There was a little bit of, I got a little bit of trouble because someone gifted me some other coffee and my Guadalupe started backlogging. Uh, so I gifted it. I actually gifted it. My neighbor just had some and was pretty stoked. In fact, I get a lot of messages from people on Instagram, text messages, wherever. Hey, uh, checked out Guadalupe. Oh my gosh, this is super good. Thank you. That kind of stuff. So anyways, if you're a fan of coffee, if you're not a fan of coffee, you might give them a try. I've been drinking coffee now for 10 years. One of the the things I've found more so than just the extra kind of, you know, neurons firing in the mind is I really do believe there's some, there's some health benefits uh, to it in terms of how my body functions. Um, I am a I used to eat a lot when I was doing a lot of weightlifting in my 20s and I cut back on that. And I find that mixing sometimes some things in the coffee, like a little bit of uh, turmeric and cinnamon. And if I'm doing like an afternoon coffee, I actually have this new collagen creamer stuff is pretty good. So, all right. Anyways, Guadalupe Roasters, if you type my name and you go check them out, they got a super cool, they have a cool mission, their mission on the planet as a coffee company, as a source of mind fire for the authors, for the podcasters, for the workers, for all the people on the planet. Mind fuel. I like this. How I said? Source of mind fire. Mind fire. That's what it is. I'm going to write that down. But anyways, uh, GuadalupeRoastery.com. You can get whole beans. You can get ground beans. You can get, just get beans in some form, way, you know, they might be a little more brown. They might be a little more dark. Depends on how you like your coffee. They've got mugs. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. Really founded on on faith too, which uh, whether you take that religiously or you take that as a strength of confidence, faith in things that you are doing, when folks take big risks and dive all into a passion and a love for something, they're conquering fear. So they get another thumbs up from me for that. And uh, GuadalupeRoastery.com, just type in Derek, D-E-R-E-K, you get... 10% off. I just do the subscription so it shows up uh, at my door right around the time that I need it. Their new packaging is off the charts. Um, I think I actually saw it has the notes and the flavors. So do the Brazilian. Turns out the Brazilian one is chocolate and peanut butter notes. I I um, don't have the best. Uh, <laughs> this is probably not the best plug. I think I probably said this in the past too. My taste buds around the notes because I don't, I don't have the taste buds for bitter. It's just not something that Kind of like if you were colorblind and you couldn't see uh, blue or something like that. Like I just, my mouth doesn't see, taste, feel um, bitter. So I don't uh, necessarily pick up all of the little um, flavor profiles, but the one that I really like apparently is chocolate and peanut butter. And that kind of makes sense because I really like chocolate and peanut butter. So uh, I do the Brazilian, you do whatever you want. And okay, back to today's episode uh, Max Holodrift. Max, if I'm not saying your name right, you're allowed to come after me, especially since you live super close. You can just trip me when I come out of my door or something like that. But super cool guy. He is a a trainer. That's the term we decided on. You're going to hear that at the beginning. There's a lot of different ways for people to talk about health and fitness and exercise movement of the body and just maximizing our experience. I'm a believer that you know, we make these investments in certain things, whether it's reading, whether it's listening to a podcast, whether it's meditation, we make these small sort of sacrifices of time, these small investments. And for one of, for me, one of those things since I was 15 years old has consistently 
um, to be moving my body and pushing my body. And I know that gives me energy in other places. So we'll call Max, uh, we're going to give him an extra title of an, an energy creator. I believe he, you know, primarily works with folks that are in the ages of like 30 to 50. But if you're outside of that range, doesn't mean he wouldn't work with you. And he's using technology to expand his influence all over the world. Um, Australia, uh, you know, Ohio, not that Ohio is another part of the world, might be for some of you, but uh, that's what he's doing. Really excited to get in the podcast. Let's go. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. By the way, I was, uh, I did a little snooping on your Instagram uh, yesterday and I saw a funny, did a TikTok video where it was like, you got to lift weights if you want to be sexy or something like that. To look good naked. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. what it was. I was scoping that out yesterday. I was like, let's see what this guy's been up to lately. So how do you, uh, how do you say your last name? Holdreth. Holdreth. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to get this right. Is that, that good? Sounds good. I think. Sounds good. Okay. You, sound, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. <laughs> All right. Sweet. So Holdreth. So Max Holdreth. Correct. Well, nice, man. Nice to have you in. And uh, you were saying you lived in you lived in San Diego for like five years? Five years in uh, three months now, yeah. Okay. Where were you before? From Ohio. So a long way from Ohio these days. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what pulled you out? So... Like anyone, I think from the Midwest, I dreamed of moving, you know, somewhere with warmer weather. Uh, California was always the ideal dream. Uh, I had seen LA a couple times and decided in my mind, I'm like, ah, maybe California's not for me. You know, I'm just not really about this vibe. A little, you know, claustrophobic here. Just not getting the right California vibe that I like. Um, ended up coming to San Diego because my brother was visiting colleges. I was like, wow, San Diego is the shit. This is a, you know, a good medium between uh, LA. It's got the beach, but it's also got the city. And coincidentally enough, I went back to Cincinnati where I was working as a personal trainer. And I had to do an internship my last semester of college. I had decided in my mind I was just going to train clients right off the hour so I could get paid. But one of the trainers I was working with was like, hey, man, um, I know this guy, Todd Durkin, who uh, owns Fitness Quest 10 out in San Diego. Uh, you should, I did my internship with him. You should do it with him. And at the time, I didn't even know who Todd Durkin was. But I'm like, shit, San Diego, sign me up. I don't care if it's cleaning toilets. Like, I'm in. <laughs> so uh, I did the internship five years ago now. Uh, came out here for that internship and then never left. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's uh, is that about how long you've been a... a you know terminology changes so much. So like when I think of fitness and uh, everything, like is trainer the proper, is that the best term? What do you call yourself? Yeah, I call myself a trainer. You know, okay. I, I think that it's the most well-recognized, but these days where you can kind of create your own, you know, title, I mean, you got, you know, movement specialists, you know, exercise physiologist or, you know, um, or, a, you know, well, or fitness coach, I guess people call themselves, you know, performance mm -hmm. hacker. I mean, you, you can come up with that, whatever, get as creative as you want. But I think trainer suits the, you know, people understand that the best. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I, I worked at like a 24 hour fitness when I was in my early twenties and one of my best buddies is a trainer. And I just think about how it's evolved, uh, since then. But when you, uh, when you moved out here, was it, I mean, was there any fear or were you just like, no fear, let's go, doesn't matter, I'll sleep in a tent kind of thing, or you kind of already set up because sometimes when people, you know, take those those risks, there's there's more that comes with it than just like, all right, I'm in. Right. Absolutely. Uh I certainly had my doubts and my fear. Um 
my willingness and belief to survive in California was a lot greater. Uh, I had got set up uh, with a room I, I found on Craigslist where I talked to the guy. Uh, he was actually coincidentally kind of a kid my age who owned a property or was managing a property over in La Jolla, like a... Um, he owned like an apartment, I guess, and he would sublease the rooms out. So there's four people and I was going to be living in the loft. And he assured me that he would be uh, doing his due diligence to match me up with three people who he figured were like, were like-minded. We would get along well. So I already had housing coming out here, but I was certainly nervous. I'm like, I, I never, I've never spent much time in San Diego. I don't even know where La Jolla is at. Like, I hope that my roommates are okay. Um, but I ended up driving all the way out here actually with my mom. Took like three days to drive out here and got to this spot. It was way nicer than I uh, could have imagined. And ever since I, I mean, I actually remember the first day I was here. Once my mom dropped me off, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever, I don't think I'm ever coming back. I, I'm, yeah. I'm living here forever. <laughs> yeah. You land in La Jolla. And it's like, and I love when people, I'll be talking to someone and they're like, uh, you know, your address, it says La Jolla. Yeah. And I'm totally. like, yes, La Jolla. You should Google La Jolla. It's awesome. <laughs> totally, totally. And then that's actually what I first, I, I first called it La Jolla. When I, had the, I saw the Craigslist ad, I'm like, hey, man, yeah, I'm looking for, you know, a house in La Jolla. <laughs> like, La Jolla, man. Yeah, it's freaking, uh, it's cool. And we're so close to, to Mexico. Um, you know, and that's interesting. You had a good experience too. You were like, yeah, San Diego. I uh, I came, the first time I came was 2009, 2008, right around there to visit a friend. Okay. You know, and she uh, uh, she she had to live, and it's been so long. I, I want to say it was like Pacific Beach, Ocean Beach, and it's kind of like wasn't really, I'm not, wasn't really into partying, definitely not into partying now at all. But like even back then, it wasn't really, like, it wasn't my scene. And so I just remember going, hmm, I don't know what the big, big deal about San Diego is. It looks like everybody's wearing flip-flops all the time. They're just like party nonstop, hanging out the beach. I'm like, that's, that's cool. I guess not really for me. And then, uh, when I ended up moving here, it's because I came to visit someone for business and he brought me here to La Jolla and Encinitas and these other spots. And I was like, wow, like, like you said, you know, LA city feeling, uh, but it doesn't seem huge. Like you're not getting stuck. And I feel like we shouldn't tell everybody how great it is because now <laughs> Gonna start flocking, although most people are going to Texas, I think, right now. Um, but it it feels like a like a humble, kind of just very down to earth city. But it but it is a big city, yeah. Totally. I, the way I like to explain it is like a beach town city. You know, like it still has the very um, like almost rural ish, beautiful beaches where you can find a lot of space, do a lot of outdoor activities. It feels just like a quaint little beach town, but it also has the city vibe. So it's in for, I love the beach being someone who loves the beach. It's like the best of both worlds, you know, to have that quaint little beach town feel if you want, if you want to go up the coast to Encinitas, but also to be able to get the vibrancy of, you know, little Italy or downtown San Diego is awesome. Yeah. They all have their own flavor for sure. Totally. totally. So, so thinking about like your, I mean, I guess we're talking about your Instagram and, and what you got going on, trainer, San Diego, uh, you know, there's jokes that float around sometime. Like if you have a phone and you live in San Diego, you can pretty much be an influencer because all you got to go is ocean, ocean, ocean. But uh, how are you How are you finding, I mean, I'm really curious about business in general with the evolution of, of being a trainer, fitness, nutrition, the the role that social media plays in it and, and location too, for that matter. Totally. So I think there's a couple different 
evolutions of the trainer, uh, depending on what the person enjoys doing. I think everyone starts out as a trainer and wants to obviously get clients and wants to, uh, you know, help them move better, feel better, uh, hopefully accomplish their fitness goals and just make them overall a healthier person. Um, what I've found in my experience is eventually you reach the point where you want to become almost more of a technician or more of a manager. And what I mean by that is you either get go down the route of uh, figuring out a very specific problem of, hey, you know what, I'm going to help people with bodybuilding, or I'm going to help people with mobility, or I'm going to help people with fat loss. And you really get you know lost in the new, and loss is probably the wrong word. You, you just fill your time with figuring out all the different nuances of that because you could spend an entire career learning just about fat loss. Then you get the people who want to be more generalist, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I fall in that category because I get bored very, very easily. Um, and I find myself liking fitness a lot from a broader stroke. And what I mean by that is I now enjoy training other trainers how to train people. <laughs> and more of my business for online is figured out uh, or is more about figuring out how do I market you know, my fitness programs that people want to buy so that we can help them? And how do I figure out what problems that they're having and how I can serve them better? And then how do I relay that to a trainer who can actually carry out those different orders? Or I mean, orders, like once again, lack of a better word, like uh, those different tasks. Hmm. So that you're evolving yourself away from just training someone one-on-one. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. And it can get a little <laughs> bit boring and redundant, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I love my clients to death, but I would prefer to be like, okay, you know what? I'm, I have Johnny in here. I'm going to do a quick movement assessment on him. He's got these goals. I'm, let me build the program, and now let me give it off to a trainer who's going to execute it. And then I'd rather have the trainer come back to me with, hey, Johnny's experiencing X, Y, and Z. I can't get, get him to do this. And I have a 10-minute conversation with the trainer telling him, hey, you know what? Maybe you should, um, you know, put his heels on something elevated. Maybe you should, you know, get, give him, uh, be a little softer on how you coach him, or maybe you should give him more tangible cues in this way and then have him go again and, and carry that out. All right, give him a David Goggins video. Give him, yeah, yeah. No, give him man, a Goggins. Uh, yeah. Well, and that sounds like, it sounds like fitness leadership, you know, and I, I find that sometimes you know, we're all unique in sense of like what, what we want to do and how we do it. And so when you can find that space and you have an ability to communicate or help others, uh, I was talking to my my sister and my brother-in-law yesterday and we were talking about like them getting a, a dog and they got a chocolate lab and like I like nieces and nephews and they're all stoked about it. It's like this really beautiful little family dog. And I was just sharing how um, like one of my favorite things to do is call someone that, that's really close to me. And even if I'm, I'm going to make a, a decision or do these things just to talk through it. And then you have certain people when they have a, a specific knowledge or specialized knowledge that can help others just from offering that that perspective. And it's it's interesting to hear you say that you've turned that. It sounds like is that your your whole business is is mostly like leading other uh, people in the fitness world in terms of trainers or. So it's about half and half. That I would like to move it more towards that. Okay. So I still have my. Um, set group of in-person clients that I train here in La Jolla. Uh, but I try to keep that to no more than 20 hours a week. I like it to be more 15 hours a week. Um, and then with my online platform, uh, what I focus on is training other trainers and really focusing, like you said, on the communication because it, it, it requires a different skill set to know how to market. 
And I think that I've always uh, not really appreciated the art of marketing, mostly because I thought it's you know more sleazy. But given the fact that I really feel as though I'm offering a very quality product, I'm okay with figuring out, okay, how do I, through my videos on Instagram or through my written copy, convince someone from the other 10,000 shirtless trainers on in San Diego <laughs> that they should train with me because they would get a quality quality service from me, right? And I've really I've really like enjoyed the process of learning that skill set and then being able to delegate the actual training to a trainer who's super passionate about learning how to actually train someone one on one. Yeah, so it's, it's just like uh, branding. Totally, you know, totally it goes back. There's uh, I work a lot with advertising, marketing, and uh, publishers, and and a lot of things in the uh, community space around branding. And there's really when I think of it, like two types of, of marketing, you know, there's the direct sale conversion marketing, like buy this now, which can get very quote unquote sleazy. I mean, essentially as a business, you need that. Like you need to tell people do this. A lot of people just need that little extra nudge of, yeah, do it now. Okay. You know what? I'm going to do it. And then on the other side, you know, with the posting and if you're talking about the content, just building your brand over time. One thing I found I've worked with probably hundreds and hundreds of business owners at this point. Uh, conversation that comes up pretty regularly is like how to price an offering or a product. And then some people have, you know, imposter syndrome when they're starting something new or they don't want to overprice it. How, how did you find that process to really figure out or are you still figuring that, I guess, you know, where, where that value's at? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that touches on... A great point that if you go into this space, I've certainly dealt with is the imposter syndrome. How much is this really worth? Um, I've been lucky to hire a couple mentors who have helped me through that, who have already built online businesses. I think the main shift in mindset that I have learned is to stop valuing my time and to start valuing the end result. And what I mean by that is in in in-person training, a lot of times we tell people, hey, you know, I charge $100 an hour. Okay, well, there's no real end date to that, you give them a suggestion. If they come and they want to lose 10 pounds, maybe you're like, yeah, well, I think this will take like three months. But most of the time in in in-person training, it's not like that. It's like, I want to buy a package of 10 sessions and you take them through the 10 sessions. Maybe they meet their goal. Maybe they don't. I mean, hopefully they get closer to it and then they probably renew another 10 sessions, but you're only getting paid for that hour. And getting out of the mindset of, oh, I need to charge people by an hourly rate. And instead I'm going to charge them for the result. So, Mm -hmm. hey, listen, you know, I, I want to specialize in helping people uh, achieve like body recomposition, right? I like to work with males specifically. So maybe they're 20 pounds overweight and they want to get ripped for their wedding in six months. And instead of determining how many hours that's going to take me, deciding how much is that worth to that person. So if in six months I'm able to get you to lose that 20 pounds and get that six pack for that wedding, I mean, is that only worth $1,000 or is that worth $10,000? You know, and, and that's obviously depending on how you convey that value. But uh, learning it, learning how to hold myself to a higher standard of now I'm on the hook to produce a result for someone. I'm not just taking their money by the hour. Uh, therefore, I should be charging them a, a higher value for that. Uh, and then comparing what other people are charging for that same service and just how much that means to them, right? Are they in a point in their life where this is like something that could really, really help change their life? Which I think, you know, anyone who is to get healthier and lead a healthier lifestyle, it's going to have a ripple effect in every other area of their life. So I've gotten a lot more confident charging a higher dollar amount by, you know, positioning it more as a value or a result driven by than just an hourly buy. 
That's that's huge. Have you ever heard of uh, Parkinson's law? Yes, the, uh, yeah. the that's the law that uh, time will expand uh, or a, ta- a task will take you however long you basically dedicate to it. Yeah, yeah. And I I love I love this topic in general, uh, but I as I think about especially the last year, you might have heard of this like pandemic thing that happened. No, no. <laughs> well, what's going on? Yeah, it was you know it was like in headlines or something, and yeah, impacted some people. Shouldn't actually joke about the the. Uh, the serious impacts it has been pretty rough for a lot of people. I feel like uh, as humans, um, it is sad and there's there's loss and things like that. So I want to give that the proper respect. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's uh, it has changed the way we operate as people. And I haven't I haven't worked in an office since like 2014. So uh, I learned that you know that Parkinson's law essentially. You know, okay, I have a task. The faster I get it done, the more value I bring to that space of time. And I, I really see remote workers as a whole. So many people shifting into that now because a lot of people are going to the remote work where they have an eight-hour day and they're going, huh, that used to take me eight hours in the office. I'm at home. I got it done in five. Or the opposite where it's like, wow, it's a 15-hour workday now. But mastering that just frees up uh, space, time, the ability to do more things. And uh, that's neat to hear you say that's what you're doing with people. How I'd be curious, like if I came to you and said, Hey, I want to lose 15 pounds. And if you said, all right, it's going to cost you $10,000. I'm just using very round numbers. I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll call it a thousand a pound. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I like that. I like that. I need to change my business model. <laughs> good training, man. I mean, Hey, it's, it's worth it. I don't, yeah. Um, uh, because there obviously has to be some accountability. If I'm eating Krispy Kreme donuts every morning and then I come to you at the end of our program, and I'm like, hey, I gave you $10,000 and I was supposed to lose, you know, 10 pounds. Um, how do you measure that to make sure the client is staying up on their end of the bargain? Right. And that's a good question. I mean, we don't at the moment offer like a money back guarantee. <laughs> so this is, I try to make it very clear to people that listen, I'm going to put you in a position to win and, you know, reach your goal. But like any coach, all I can do is put you in position. If you don't execute, you know, that's on you. So the system we have in place is that I like to do weekly questionnaires with them every Friday and then answer any of their questions they have on Monday. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with, if it was a weight loss goal, a lot of times I'll have them maybe weigh themselves, depending on the client. Some people I just don't think do great weighing themselves every single week. So I, I designed it specifically around what, what I think, uh, would help them best, right? If they're type A, okay, you know, every single week you should measure yourself maybe every day. If, you know, if you're not, and, you know, that's going to get you really bogged down if the scale goes up, don't weigh yourself. But anyways, if I see a trend where they're not losing their weight, I'm going to request, hey, you know, let me see three days of your eating actually logged out. And in the beginning, I'm going to give them the program. I'm also going to give them the nutrition. And it's up to them to log it so I can actually see it. But some people don't want to log it, which is fine because some people don't need to log it to, to see results. And if you know if, if it causes you too much stress in your life to where it feels like a task that you don't need to actually be doing and you're seeing results, I'm not going to hold you to that. You know, If you're able to achieve this without you know spending 10 minutes logging, good for you. However, if I see that you're not uh, achieving that goal, I'm going to request, hey, make sure you, you know give me three days of a food log and I'm going to see. And now, you know, if, if it, things don't match up, if, if they're, if they're writing to me and it's, it's in a calorie deficit, but they're gaining like 10 pounds, I'm like, okay, <laughs> like you're lying somewhere here. Mm-hmm. So it's usually just having very real and honest conversations and being able to just like be real and honest with people. Like, hey, listen, you know, 
are you actually doing the work that you're saying you're doing? Because it doesn't look like you are. And now if they are, there are some extreme circumstances where, you know, maybe the program just isn't working for them. Then I'll obviously, okay, let's recalculate the, the, the nutrition protocol. Let's add in maybe, you know, a, a little bit more weightlifting, a little less, you know, say, say cardio. I'll, I'll make the adjustments necessary. Yeah. The scale is uh, one of the most fascinating things to me. I don't, I look at it. I got a scale for the first time in a long time, maybe a decade or more. And it has like a little app and it, you know, supposedly gives me my body composition. I'm not really sure how accurate it is. Um, but it's interesting for me to step on that thing after like a hot yoga session versus being like fully hydrated or not doing weights for a couple days versus cardio. And it seems like it can be all over the place what I weigh. And I don't know how much it actually impacts, like with fluids and everything, what that means for my weight. How do you coach people through, you know, interpreting the scale or understanding what it means? Yeah. And that's a great question because that's what a lot of people struggle with. I try to make it clear to people in the beginning that while everyone wants this, everyone has an ideal body weight that they want to be at, I find, you know, they're like, oh, I'm at 170. I need to lose 20 pounds. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I, I don't know that 20 pounds is really going to get you to the physique that you want. Like I, I inquire a little bit more like what is the physique you're actually looking for? Because, you know, if you're putting on, if you're doing body, body recomp and you're putting on muscle while you're losing fat, right? Like you could, the scale could very well go up and you could actually look better than like you could, someone, you know, with 10% body fat at, at 170 looks grossly different than someone at 170 with 20% body fat. And mm -hmm. it's the same weight, right? So I try to have that conversation with people in the beginning. And also the, the two things I always like to point them to is, you know, how you feel, how your clothes fit. And then the third thing is how you look in the mirror. I think those are a lot better, honest assessments of how the program is also, is actually going. Because like you said, Weight loss can spike and drop, you know, in an instant, depending on what you ate, depending on how much sodium was in that, depending on how much water you had, depending on what kind of exercise you had, depending if you slept well the night before. Um, so when it comes to the scale, I don't like to have them be married to only the scale for, you know, assessing results. I also like to assure them that it's not a linear process, right? Like what we're looking at is trends. So if you're going to do this, like let's weigh you at the beginning of the program. And in 12 weeks, that's when I want to make the honest assessment. Is this working or not? Right. Cause you could be starting at 170, you drop down to 165, then you're up to 167, then you're down to 164, then you're 166. And so, you know, there's all these different benchmarks that you're going up and down, but over the course of three months, are we trending in the right direction? It's almost like you know how much I weigh. So those are pretty much my. I'm like, all right, this guy's like over. Here. Did he did he tap into my my scale lap? Because that's been like my my pattern. So you mentioned a couple of things there: sleep and uh, sodium. What is the the role? What do you believe is the role of a trainer in terms of modern nutritional knowledge? Yeah, um, I think that. The, the role is, it depends on the scope of the trainer. Uh, I think that they need to have a general understanding of nutrition. And I think that the, the interesting part about training to me is that it's very much so an art because to me, it deals more so with almost human psychology than it does with exercise science. Because 
people who are once very analytical and maybe executives type A, they want to know all the minutiae and the details of, hey, how many calories should I be eating? Hey, you know, uh, what should my macronutrient, um, you know, breakdown be? Hey, should I be intermittent fasting? And I think that as a trainer, it's good to have just a well-rounded general understanding of what those things are and be able to put uh, put people in positions to make the decision themselves and also guide them to resources that could help them better make the decision if you can't for them. But I also think it's very important as a trainer to realize that if someone maybe doesn't ask you about these things, they may not have the bandwidth to actually discuss them and understand them. And it may uh, actually hold them back because you're overwhelming them with information. And I think that I... Any, I think that actually most people, when they start out, they have so much knowledge, they're so excited to spray people with it mm-hmm. that, you know, you get someone in, you're like, hey, okay, what are you eating? Like, okay, like how many calories are you eating a day? Like, oh, you should be getting, you know, uh, one or one gram of protein per pound of body weight. And it's like their second session and people at least, you know, this mom who has four kids at home running around, you know, she just wants to work out for an hour and sweat a little bit is like, holy shit. Like, uh, what? like she doesn't ever want to come back again. Mm-hmm. So very, being very cognizant of knowing how much information to give people, I think, uh, is is an interesting art of training. That's a, I think that's an art for anything. I I think it was a Walmart. I was at a Walmart one time and I got some wisdom just dropped on me from the guy checking me out at Walmart. And he said that uh, knowledge is is like having the answer. Uh, knowledge is uh, being intelligent. Okay, I think I got it right. Here we go. He said, being intelligent is like having the knowledge that you need for the situation, but wisdom is knowing how much to share. Powerful. Yeah. And it's like not all things for all people all the time. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's uh, that's huge across the board. I, I think, you know, I have going back to the, I have this friend that I've known. We've been friends for 15, 16 years or something now. We actually worked at this 24-hour fitness in like Reno together once upon a time, like early 2000s, and he was a, a trainer. And we were just talking a, a couple weeks ago about uh, uh, like his program. I saw him, I saw him in uh, November and I teased him a bit. I was like, dude, you look like you ate the old version of you. Like we're that close, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's a guy that he can handle it like Boston dude originally. And that's just how we, you know, we tease each other. And so he actually started working with a trainer recently. He's like, yeah, my trainer wants me to eat, you know, 3,700 calories so I can put on muscle. And I was like, I don't know how much you've changed since I saw you a month ago, but are you put on muscle? Like, what, what are you doing, man? You know, I'm like, you know, 101 is calories in versus calories out. And, uh, and I, I think you actually had something on your social media. I didn't get to go through all of it, but... Maybe, maybe it was just something I saw, but maybe it was you talking about, you know, fat loss or muscle building. You know, can you do both simultaneously? Is it one versus the other? How does that work? So the answer is that you can do both simultaneously, but most it would behoove most people to not try that. You have to be very, very meticulous with your eating, and it's a very long process. It's also not very advantageous for a novice or a beginner lifter. Uh, the post I had on my Instagram was about skinny or skinny fat males because I've seen in my life a lot of my friends and just a lot of males in general, there'll be this long, you know, it's like string bean with like a little bit of a gut and they're all, dude, I want to lean out for spring break. I'm like, dude, lean out. Like, bro, you have no muscle on you. What do you mean? Like, I mean, you know, like all these dudes want to, see, want to get shredded. I'm like, 
I mean, listen, you look like you're anorexic, bro. Like you need to like, like get shredded. Like in order to get shredded, you have to have a foundation of muscle mass first, mm -hmm. right? And people a lot of times want to skip that and just want to get lean. What they fail to understand is that you won't look the way, you're not going to look like that men's health cover model by just getting lean. They ha they've done a lot of prerequisite work eating in a calorie surplus to put on a bunch of muscle where they didn't look like that. You know, Maybe they had a little bit extra fat because they were in a calorie surplus building that muscle mass so that when they did dial back the calories, they had that muscle definition to show. Now, once you do that a couple times, it's very easy to stay in a maintenance phase, which is where I like to keep myself at. Like I don't ever count my calories. I work out consi consistently and you can keep yourself, you know, one to 2% body fat from, you know, being able to go ahead and like bulk up and put on more muscle or lean out for whatever you want to lean out for, or just live your life, you know, very easily where you're just, like I said, you're not really counting your calories. You're just eating mindfully and you're working out consistently and you look pretty good. But before you do that, you have to go, in my opinion, through a couple phases of putting on a good amount of muscle and then losing some fat, putting mm -hmm. on a good amount of muscle, losing some fat. And then you can start to like, you can start to do that. Okay. I want to put on muscle and lose fat at the same time. Cause I'm going to take a couple years to do it. And I don't, I don't have any like serious body composition goals. I, and I, I think that's actually where I live at, especially the part where you said, you know, where you just look good all the time. Like that's pretty much the phase that I'm totally in. well, that, that, that's the phase that anyone living in San Diego needs to get to considering uh, it's beach season all year round. You better get to that as soon as possible. Yeah. I don't look like I live in San Diego. I'm like transparent, but I, uh, I remember when I first started working out. So kind of interested in, you know, people sometimes will point at metabolism for results and things like that. So I was, I was a super, I was like a super fat kid for a bit. And then I got really thin and I went to this high school called Encinas in Sacramento. And, uh, it was, it was pretty hood and like instantly got in a fight with this like giant kid. I was like a freshman. I wasn't even old enough to be a freshman. I was like 13 or whatever. Like, just, yeah. And, uh, and having like literally no muscle mass, I just looked like uh, you know, a little pale string bean and just wrapping onto like the head and like hanging on for dear life, kind of choke them essentially. And after that, I was like, I should probably like put on some muscle and work out. So I started working out and then um, picked up this book and I wasn't really into reading. I mean, now you would think I read a little bit. I got a lot of books. Yeah. Looking around here, I, I can't even move my eye without seeing a stack. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't really read probably until I was like 28 much, but this is like one book that I picked up and it was on nitric oxide. Mm. And it talked about um, food compounds and eating. And because I, I really wanted to like, okay, I, you know, I want to put on muscle, I want to be strong, that kind of stuff. And that sparked me down that road. And I can honestly say like very realistically that I've been consistently working out since I was about 15 I lived in Brazil for almost a year. And one of the first things I, when I moved there was like, all right, where's a local gym? Um, and so I found like, there's a point where I, I weighed 192 or 193 and I have a picture of me next to my friends, like a football player and I look huge, but I've also dropped down like even a, a few weeks ago down to like 160. And that what you're talking about with the nutrition, it's like once you go through that experience, I feel like I know what it takes in terms of eating these types of things, working out this certain kind of way, changing repetitions, having gone through all that, that I can sort of shift um, my body weight. But, you know, if, if someone's 40 and they're just thinking about that versus someone that's been doing it since, you know, for 20 years, literally I've been working out for 20 years, 
what kind of expectations should they have? Can they have like how much does muscle memory being new versus old results? How much does that play a role? Uh, hugely, usually, right? If someone comes from an athletic background uh, or was once upon a time super fit, it's going to be much easier for them to get back to that fit body. You know, a because, like you said, they have muscle memory. So a lot of you know lifting weights and exercise is body movement and coordination, you know, and people who have never worked out before, they just don't have coordination and it's going to take a lot of prerequisite training to get them to the point where they can do the movement patterns that are most effective for them, right? Like I mean, classic examples is a squat and a hinge pattern. If you're someone who's never done that in your life, you're 40, you're coming to me, there's a good chance, you know, you're super tight and we're going to have to spend like, you know, eight to 12 weeks just to get you to be able to actually do a 90 degree squat and a deadlift where you're not going to blow your back out. And those are two, you know, you don't have to do these lifts, but they're going to reap the most results, you know, whereas if you have an athlete who just, you know, has been, let himself go for three years and, you know, he immediately can pick up a barbell and start doing all these, you know, basic movement patterns and he can start, he can, you can plyometrically jump him, like his joints are healthy. Uh, he can do sprints. I mean, the ability for him to get back in that shape is just going to be grossly easier. And secondarily, from a mindset perspective, like you, you know, mentioned, he knows what it takes, right? His body knows what it feels like to push almost to full exertion. Uh, whereas someone who's never done that before, you know, they may get up to 75, 80% of their heart rate. They're, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. It's like, no, you know, your heart rate is just, you know, up really high, which is where it needs to be to elicit the response. But they may not know that. And so it just takes some education, takes some, you know, of them getting comfortable with it. It takes them getting comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Whereas if you already have been uncomfortable in your body, you have that familiarity with it. So it's a lot easier. I, uh, you remind me of a story. One of my mentors is this really brilliant guy. He talks about uh, putting yourself through things, you know, essentially getting uncomfortable, like to grow. And there was a person that he was working with or coaching, and I might be a little off on the story, but essentially said, you know, I don't, I don't exercise because I'm allergic to running. And he's like, what do you mean you're allergic to running? He's like, well, when I, like when I do it, I turn red and I get all sweaty. And he's like, no, that's like, that's exercise. And it, it's interesting that, you know, sometimes if you're, if we're really doing something a lot or often, we could just kind of, can, it'd be easy to assume like, oh, everybody should know what running feels like. Um, but they, but they don't. Are there, are there any things, the supplement industry is off the charts. I mean, it's a, a crazy, you know, industry uh, going back to marketing, like this is natural. That's natural. I don't know what natural means anymore. Realistically, right, like, right. am I organic? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I might not be. Yeah. But uh, are there, are there things like pre-workouts that are deemed, you know, safe and healthy and can help someone expedite that process of um, getting their, their, basically their brain and their, their, their mind and their body like connected faster? Mind and body. So that's, that's an interesting question. Mind and body. I mean, I like nootropics for mental clarity and acuity. Uh, there's a whole host of different stacks out there. I know that I've seen you're a fan of on it around here on it's got, you know, <laughs> alpha brain, which is one of the first ones on the market. Mm -hmm. I think those things are great in terms of, mental acuity. And I, I really don't know if that actually helps with mind-body connection. Uh, certainly, you know, the classic caffeine helps, right? It gives you dopamine, gets your heart rate racing, makes you just more alert and more focused. Um, when it comes to supplements, 
I always live by the motto, you know, first and foremost, it's a supplement, right? So it means it's supposed to supplement your already healthy lifestyle. And I think you have to earn the right to take supplements as a training. And what that means is you need to be, if you're not working out consistently, at least three days a week, if you're not eating 80% of the time healthy, which means, you know, hitting your calories, eating greens with most of your meals, you know, eating organically, uh, drinking half your body weight in ounces of water and sleeping six to eight hours a night, you don't deserve to be taking supplements, you know, because <laughs> a lot of times people will come to me, you know, they're getting four hours of sleep a night. They work out one time a week and they blow their diet out, you know, five days a week. They're, Hey, what supplement can I be taking, you know, to help? Like no supplement is going to help you override that kind of program. You know, first and foremost, master the basics. And that's really, I mean, it's like the 80, 20 rule. All right. Like you do that and you're going to get 80% of the results from that. And now if you're doing all of that, now we can talk about other supplements. I think that Protein, first and foremost, if it's well-sourced, right, there's a lot of different, you know, shitty protein out there. But as long as it's a quality source protein, um, I think that that, first and foremost, is a great supplement because people have a very hard time hitting their protein uh, uh, numbers every single day, which should be about one gram protein per pound of body weight. It's just going to help your metabolism, help you uh, obtain that lean body mass and keep it, or sorry, lean muscle mass. So I always recommend that, first and foremost, because it's convenient. Aside from that, I mean, creatine is really, really well researched for uh, enhanced performance. However, if you have a weight loss goal, it can help you uh, or it can make you hold on to more water retention. So if you're looking to lose weight, I don't usually recommend it. Beside that, I like, you know, vitamins and minerals like like zinc and, you know, B12 just for overall uh, metabolic energy. Just because, you know, if you feel better throughout the day, it's going to make it more likely that you're going to exercise and that you're actually going to eat well. So those are really what I usually recommend. And then, you know, amino acids, you know, there's a, a lot of contradictory uh, research on amino acids, but I would say that it's not going to hurt you. So if you're looking for an extra edge, you know, an amino, acid, amino acids, like while, while working out isn't bad. And I've concocted some of my own pre-workouts, just doing like beet juice and caffeine. I think that those are honestly better than most of the market um, pre-workouts. But to be honest, I've been out of the pre-workout game for a little bit while now. Yeah, and that's, uh, you brought up a couple of things there that kind of piqued my interest. One on the uh, caffeine, I've been playing around with, uh, I generally work out super early in the morning. I like to do it like 5, 5.30 in the morning. Like that's my workout time to kind of get my head right for the rest of the day. And and I would have, I wouldn't have coffee until I was through my routine in the morning. And I felt like, all right, I got my endorphins going. Everything feels really good. Now let's add the caffeine into that, you know, biochemical concoction I had going in my mind and body already. And I read something where, you know, I think it was like The Rock. I got influenced by The Rock is what happened. I was like, well, that guy knows what he's talking about. And I read that he drinks coffee before his cardio in the morning. And I've been experimenting with that. I like it in the sense that my my workouts in the morning, they got a little extra edge to them. But at the same time, I I still like, when I just, being a creature of habit, miss that next cup of coffee that I would normally have after the workout. And two, I find it, it can make me a little bit more intense throughout the day, which I don't know that it's a bad thing, but uh, it definitely has re removed my filter a couple of times just because I, I don't know if I just caffeinated up, did the workout and was like, raw the rest of the day or what happened. Uh, is there any science on that in terms of, like pre, post, like early, that kind of stuff? Or 
Yeah, you know, just mostly a lot of anecdotal. Uh, I too am a huge coffee and caffeine lover. It's by far my favorite drug. Um, and I'm always looking for what's the best way to consume this drug, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, if so, if I drink coffee first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, I get a lot of what you're saying, a lot of irritability, a lot of edginess. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets me going, the dopamine's going, my heart's racing. But there's just an edginess, almost anxiety to it, mm. which why I, uh, you know, I love bulletproof coffee. The I know I don't do dairy, so I, in in the whole premise of bulletproof, for me, I don't necessarily do it for its you know, quote unquote fat burning benefits. I do it because when you attach or bind caffeine to fat, it slows the absorption of it. Right, so mm. fat digests you know, the slowest of any macronutrient, so when you put a tablespoon or two tablespoons of coconut oil and put it in a blender with the caffeine, instead of getting, you know, just an onslaught of caffeine into your bloodstream, you think of it like a slow tincture drip. So it just slowly over the course of two to three hours drips that caffeine into my system, which does not give me near the amount of crash. It just makes me very clear headed and focused. So hmm. I've been doing that for years. And what I, like my routine in the morning is I kind of, I like to do some like, uh, more spirituality breath work practices in the morning. And I wanted to get started on this. So I'm like, what would get me up in the morning? My coffee. Like I, if I do coffee first thing in the morning, like I'm going to be stoked to get up. Mm -hmm. So I do a cup of bulletproof in the morning and I go through, you know, some journaling, some, some breath work, some different movement patterns. Uh, and then I do like my most important task of the day. And then I eat breakfast and then I have a regular cup of coffee without any, <laughs> without any uh, coconut oil in it. And for me personally, that has helped a lot. I also experimented with a lot of different grants. So I weigh my coffee out every single day hmm. for the exact um, milligrams of caffeine. And I have found personally that in the 20 to 25 uh, grams of coffee is kind of my sweet spot because there's about five grams of caffeine per uh, gram of coffee. So you're looking at 100 to 125 milligrams of caffeine. And I've just found that that's kind of my sweet spot for avoiding the edginess and huh. getting the best out of the, the coffee drug. <laughs> Well, I didn't think I was being too edgy, but now you got me thinking maybe I am being a little extra. I just thought it was more of like an intensity, but you know what? I did snap at a few people this last week, so maybe I should scratch this and try some. Uh, I, the bulletproof thing is really funny to me too. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday because she was kind of educating me on the Dave Asprey guy. Yeah. I uh, When I lived in Brazil, it was like 2014, 2015, and they just put, not everybody, but there's a, a percentage of the population that puts butter in their coffee. So I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. Not being like transitioning kind of out of the milk world, although milk there, totally different story than it is here too. America has some very strange things in the nutrition world. Like why do we put sugar in everything? But totally. Uh, so I come back and I'm like putting butter in my coffee. And uh, I remember somebody saying like, hey, you're doing the bulletproof coffee thing. I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, well, that's what you're doing. Because I like I put turmeric and cinnamon and kind of little, like I called it my morning elixir. Um, but I, I've gotten away from that in the last probably like three, four, five, uh, six months and just stuck with the the black coffee. I found that, and I never blended it, but I, I found that my either my taste buds change or something and it just wasn't, it wasn't appealing to me. Like my body didn't desire it like it did before. It really enjoyed it. And, you know, some people say like you get the seven year itch or something shifts. Have you ever, you know, have you ever had something like that in terms of the, uh, like your consumption where you've gone like, you know, my body wants something different now. 
Totally. Well, first and foremost, though, you got to blend it. Oh, it's game changer. Really? Like, okay. oh, 100x better. Huh. It, it makes it more like a, like a little like creamy latte. Whereas like, because the fat kind of, you have to always stir it and the fat kind of comes to the top yeah. sometimes. It's, it's just totally not, okay with that. Like it, sipping it does, but it just doesn't really like add a lot of flavor. Like when you blend it, it literally, it, huh. it gives, it literally looks like a latte. It's so creamy and nutty. It's fantastic. So right. first you got to try Dude, blending it. I got like a Vitamix 10,000 though. It's okay. going like, to like blast it out. Yeah. Of well, you need, I haven't, I haven't got one of these. I have a little bullet or like a, what is it? Okay. The magic bullet. But you need one of those handheld like little elixir things. I you have see? a, uh, a, a Wrap a frother. Yeah, boom. I have, yeah, I tried that once and it shot the coffee uh, everywhere. So I gotta figure out. I gotta okay, you maybe gotta get that. in deeper or something. Yeah, I, I don't was, know. Uh, and my friend was watching me too, and I'm like, I think you just do, and then pff, explosion of coffee. Like, That's not yeah, how you use it. That's so. not cool. Yeah. Uh, in ter- <laughs> I, I do like to listen to my body in terms of what it's craving, though. I mean, so I went through a period of time for obviously over a year and a half where I didn't drink any coffee. I just mm-hmm. did green tea, uh, kind of to heal my gut a little bit. And I, I just wasn't, cr- I was feeling like I was kind of abusing coffee a bit. And I do just like every once in a while, I'll just take a couple of days off of coffee, switch to teas, some, uh, uh, what is it, pu'er tea mm-hmm. or some green tea. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of esoteric about it where like, like you said, it's like, ah, my body's just not really craving it today. I'm just going to listen to it and, and not do that. Well, I've got some, uh, remind me before you go to, I've got some cool coffees and some teas if you want to check out and take a little uh, with you. I've actually got some sponsors for the oh, podcast. Oh. I got a little couple things going on in the cupboard. You can check it out, see if it's your thing. Are you a whole bean guy or a ground guy? I'm a whole bean guy. Okay. Um, I mean, it's. Not convenient, but I love the taste. You know, I mean, the whole, you can't beat the whole bean. You know, it's for me, it's the experience. I actually love totally opening it up and smelling it and then grinding it. I don't measure it though. I never really thought about the amount of grounds impacting the amount of caffeine. I just more or less kind of go, okay, but that's, uh, you get very specific with. You like count out the beans, like 27 beans is too much, but 28 is. <laughs> oh, here you go. Here, you'll, 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 you'll actually like this because I see a Michael Jordan um, book over there on the side. So I decided I was going to do between 20 and 25 grams because I thought that that's like, I was like, okay, I think I was experimenting around and like 25 seemed to be like the high end and 20, I didn't get quite a bit of a quick kick. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to start my uh, day every single day with a little remembrance of Michael Jordan. So I'm going to measure out 23 grams of coffee beans every single day. And that, and that's what I do, you know? That's pretty legit. Play, play like Jordan every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's powerful. I, I also think the consistency, because you, you've mentioned not, in, in some regards, you know, getting bored or not wanting to do the same thing over and over. And personally believe there's some sort of middle ground where when you have consistency and routine, you're able to build a term that I've latched on to called situational fluency, where the more you do something the same way, you actually like kind of creativeness comes out. You can find a calm in it because it's not new and it's not foreign. So you can still get in that almost flow state of the process, but have things evolve out of it. And it's sometimes where, you know, ideas will come from, hey, let me try this a little bit different or that. Uh, having that, um, that space and time. You, you mentioned creatine too. And there is a ton of research. There were kind of two things in there. Um, Does creatine affect like testosterone or anything like that? Or 
Because it's supposed to be for like mitochondria and cell energy, right? Correct, correct. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if it directly uh, affects testosterone. But what it does, it, it helps your cells create more ATP, mm-hmm. which uh, is involved in cellular energy, like you noted. So it's been proven to uh, give you more endurance, uh, strength, and just increase performance, which is a general term, which basically means that whatever you're doing, it kind of increases uh, the bandwidth at which you're able to do it. So a lot of times I think some of the studies were like, you know, without creatine, someone's benching 225 for 10 reps, you know, when they preload with creatine, they got 12 reps out, right? You can kind of push past that uh, perceived fatigue level a little for a couple more reps or uh, maybe a mile or two more when you're on creatine. I've experienced that. In fact, I think 225 was my measurement. It went from like eight or nine reps to like 12. And Hey, I'm a good, I'm a good I'm guesser. Like, you know, I, I, I do like it for a living. In, you're like in my brain over here. You knew that I only slept four hours last night working on this like home deal and everything. So I'm like, all right, this guy just, it's got like a little alien mind warp going into the brain. But, and I, I, yeah, I think about the creatine. I was thinking about the testosterone. Like my experience was I, I took it in college. And that's what got me from like kind of hovering and stuck around 175 and eating a ridiculous amount of food. I mean, I can show you pictures of the plates and just consuming calories going, how do I get to this, you know, over the 180 hump? And uh, with creatine, I didn't take very long. That's when the first time I got over 190 and my squats went up, my bench went up. And I was thinking about that specifically because I haven't met any any females that I that I know of or that have ever that have had that conversation with, it seems like my conversations with creatine have been more male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I know it it influenced sort of. Uh, I felt like the shape, like I I didn't have as much definition. Maybe it was just because I was able to do more reps and it changed the the bulkiness of the muscles. Um, do you have? Is that something you ever recommend to female clients? Well, uh, first off, it does change the body composition a little bit because it makes you, re- especially creatine monohydrate, makes you retain retain a water weight. So a lot of the weight gain can just be due to retained water within the muscular uh, cell. But with that more retained water, it does allow you to be a little bit more strong and just appear bigger, right? Uh, with female clients, I've never personally recommended it because I have I don't really specialize in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Most of my clients are really lifestyle clients, right? Where they just want to kind of be healthier, move better, and they have some, you know, weight loss, muscle building goals, but they're not really trying to step on stage and compete. Uh, and all, and with that being said, all almost all of my female clients, with the exception of maybe one to two, always want to lose weight, right? Like females just always want to lose weight and get and get toned, you know. And we have, you know, sometimes it's more advantageous for them to get stronger, but. I've never recommended creatine simply for the fact I don't think that they would appreciate gaining, uh, uh, you know, retaining water weight. Hmm. But I do know I I, uh, am friends with some females who do bodybuilding shows, and I know that they did do it before bodybuilding shows to increase their level of muscle mass and increase performance. Cool. So, you know, get bloated, get some creatine, let's do this. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. Blow it out. Do it right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Makes sense. Um like athletes too. I wonder if female athletes, because they're not, you know, I think of like MMA fighters and jujitsu competitions and things like that uh, because of the endurance from the creatine. But if it influences weight like that, it may not be the best 
Uh, right. Well, and there's a difference. There's creatine uh, monohydrate, and I'm blanking on the name of the other kind of creatine that doesn't make you retain as much water weight. And there's also some protocols with like uh, cycling it. I know that you shouldn't be on it for more than like six to eight weeks at a time. And so there's there's some ways you can get the benefits of it and then cycle off of it and still kind of uh, have your system upregulate that level of performance, you know, the next couple of weeks after being off of creatine, but uh, while still giving you that extra performance boost. Huh. Well, I'm going to go on a supplement rampage and just take everything. But uh, that's pretty cool. Then there's a phrase I really like, and it's how you do anything is how you do everything. And people talk about work and life balance. And I, I think that's a myth. I think you only have a hundred percent that you can give to being a person. And so if you're spending 20% over here and 20% over there, like there is no balance. There's just, you decide how to divide your time up for you with your, with your profession and your, you know, career, uh, is this a, and you talked about lifestyle training. Is this just something that you think of, oh my gosh, I'm going to work. Or is this just how you live life on a daily basis? Definitely just how I live life. You know, I've always lived by the motto, you know, do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're still going to work a shit ton. You'll probably work more than people who don't do what they love, but it's not going to feel like work. And sometimes it does, you know, like there's, there's, there's shit with any job that you do that, you know, you don't necessarily want to do. But the more majority of the time, um, yeah, I'm loving what I do, right? I live in San Diego. Uh, I'm very passionate about fitness. I get to train some awesome clients. And I get to learn di a different skill set to figure out how to yeah, build an online business. So uh, I think that you're right. The work-life balance to me is like, you know, an idealistic theory that, you know, maybe you can work towards, but I'm under the impression I like to find things I'm very passionate about and go all in. And then when it's time to pivot, I'll pivot. But I think uh, I like to think of, you know, some of my clients have uh, turned me on to the phrase of like the seasons of your life. And, you know, I'm a young guy. I have a lot of drive and ambition. So for me, I'm like work-life balance, screw that. Like I got to, you know, when, when I have a family, maybe I'll achieve that. Like what, what do I need a work-life balance for? Like, oh, I'm going to work as much as I want to. And then, you know, I'll party every once in a while with my friends and I, I don't, it doesn't need to be a measurement. You know, I'll just do, I'll listen to my body when I feel like doing one, I'll, you know, I'll do it and I'll pivot when I need to. I like that. The seasons, the seasons of life. Um, we had a pretty pretty strong uh, winter was coming season this last year. Was your business online before the pandemic or is that kind of expedited it? It was online before the business. I uh, was sorry, sorry, before the pandemic. Um, not to the extent at which it is now. Uh, two, two things that uh, the pandemic freed up some of my time because at first my clients certainly didn't want to train in person. So I needed to find an alternative for that and not training them in person gave me more time. And secondarily, people have become a lot more open-minded to the you know newish reality of oh maybe I can't go to a gym and see a trainer in person uh, maybe I should look for an online option so people just are a lot more open to that idea. Yeah, I mean you can see the fitness bike over there that was definitely not there pre-pandemic because I was like why would I need a fitness bike in the studio but I can't go to the gym so there's a fitness bike. The uh, Working out at home is super weird. If you don't have like a garage or a gym or something like that, and you're trying to do it in your uh, uh, living room or something along those lines, I found that part of it, I was probably just being frustrated and going, this is lame. I can't go to the gym anymore. I've been going to the gym for, you know, 14 years. 
The other part of it was I, I didn't have the same sense of like purpose. Like I'm going there to do this thing. And I, I found I had to, what shifted that and made my workouts like 20 times better is that uh, I started using a timer. Going back to that Parkinson's law, I got a boxing round timer, put it on my iPad, put a big screen and said, I'm going to work out for 12 rounds and then busted out the kettlebells. And it was, you know, 60 seconds of this, 10 second rest, 60 seconds. That changed my workout so much. Yeah. How do you see, how old are you, by the way? 27. 27. That's a pretty sweet age. You've been here since you're 22-ish. Uh, 23, I think. Yeah. 23. Okay. Oh, wait, I guess it is. Tw- uh, yeah. Yeah. 22. I moved there. 22, actually. Yep. Okay. And you were a, a trainer. Man, I I feel a little out of the loop in the community, but uh, and I didn't really even know you that well at all. Actually, I think maybe just high a couple times at the gym, but mm-hmm. I went to the La Jolla uh, Sports Club. Yep. And then you were a trainer there. I worked with another trainer named Neil there. Pretty cool guy. Yep. Great guy. One um, of my buddies. How? I mean, it, this even feels kind of weird to say. Is that place still open? That place is going through a transition. Uh, I'm not sure of all the details. Uh, they've partnered or were bought out by Balance Fitness. Uh, not sure uh, exactly what the, the details of that are. And they're moving over to where 24-Hour Fitness was. They're taking over the lease over there. Oh, that's like right down the street. Yeah, okay. totally. So uh, waiting to hear what the word is there. Uh, I think they're remodeling the place now. Well, that's cool. I'm glad uh, Brett and Kira, they're super nice people. So Brett was my neighbor when I first moved here. Oh, really? Uh, in this building? Yeah. That's oh, how cool. I, I met. That's how I ended up going over there. I was like, oh, I got to find a gym. He's like, yeah, I have, I have a gym. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, have, you have a gym? He's like, yeah, I have a gym. Like, yeah, I have a whole should, one. You should check it out. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, cool. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, both of them are awesome. Yeah. And uh, the, I mean, the fitness industry... There's a, a phrase that stuck with me when the world got a little different. And it's it's weird to say like, oh, this is all new and crazy because it's not the first pandemic. It's the first one that's really impacted the U.S. in a while. Uh, you know, like there are Asian countries that have had multiple pandemics in the last 15, 20 years alone. Um, but it it shifted the way shifted the way we've done a lot of things. And the the phrase that is just continues to stick with me as I think and I think about the past, present, and future is that in times of crises, uh, it's not that new problems emerge. It's that anything that exists just gets magnified. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the, the fitness industry and know that uh, it's there to help people be healthy and provide jobs and those things um, everybody's had to, to shift and evolve how how do you see it playing out is there some sort of a hybrid model now for gyms like how can they be better prepared for the future to you know financially be be in a great place yeah and that's a good question i think that it's this has clearly made it very evident that you're going to need some sort of online platform as a in-person. If you have a brick and mortar uh, fitness business, you're going to need some sort of online presence to fall back on so that if people don't feel comfortable working out at the gym or something like this happens, which I think that the the long-term impact of this is that people may just not feel as comfortable working out at the gym, especially if it's really, really crowded, which means 
if you want to capture that market, you need some sort of alternative, which is going to be some sort of, uh, you know, online presence, which I think could look like many different things, but either offering some kind of zoom class, like, you know, live streaming or pre-recorded classes, you know, like a library, almost like a like beach body beach body has been killing in that space for years where you almost as a gym have your own little subscription to beach body, where maybe someone pays a little bit extra per month to get access to that, or they can do that a la carte. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of different business models around that, but I think that fit the gyms are going to have to look for alternative revenue streams, except for, uh, you know, in-person training and membership, you know, monthly membership dues. Do you think there's some, I think there's some benefit there as I'm thinking about it, because when you look at who has been most impacted by, uh, the virus COVID. I don't even know what to call it. I haven't really paid much attention. Like I've been so out of the headlines in terms of, I know we're here in vaccines and I have friends that are doctors and I talked to them mostly about it, but it seems like there's so many. I saw a sign that said like during COVID-19, like it was an event versus a, a, a you know, an outcome. It was really interesting. I was like, all right, that's it was from the county. They're like, you know, temporarily closed during COVID-19. I'm like, no, the, the event is the pandemic. Like that's a, a part of it and you know from when this has been a long time since i worked at a gym but there'd be a fair percentage of people that would have a membership and not use it or come there to get healthy and then you know work out and talk about it and when they left not shift any of those habits outside of that so it was like an you know an hour of being healthy and then 23 hours of whatever you know, I, I'm see based on what you said, thinking about that a little bit more, there's a tremendous benefit for people to mentally and technologically and just in general be better prepared uh, to, to just have more access to being healthy and for gyms to tap into that and say, hey, not only if you don't want to come to the gym because you don't feel secure, safe, because someone might, you know, spread some germs there and there's groups of people, but now you can take fitness home with you and, and and health is a lifestyle. It's not just something you do an hour a day. Seems like that would be really beneficial, not just for um, people, but for the industry. Yeah, I, I think that it certainly could be. You know, I think it certainly could be. I think that what gyms, you know, uh, there's a guy in the fitness industry called Alex Hermosi, who uh, is just legendary for helping uh, gyms rebrand and, and launch themselves. And something he spoke a lot about lately is like, you have the big dogs like Apple coming into play with like live streaming services for people to work out from home. You already have Beachbody, you know, who owns like P90X and all these. And the real way to differentiate yourself in the fitness industry these days, it seems is to really offer a high value personalized coaching Right. So what what those what those companies are doing, they're just giving you quick fix workouts, right? Follow along workout, do it, don't do it, whatever. But as you noted, you know, people need accountability. I mean, like, listen, let's be honest, most people know what they should be doing. They're just not doing it. So why the hell are you not doing it? You know, like I mean, that's why I'm of like going back to our previous topic of you know how to tra charge what you're worth. I learned very early on, you know, when I was selling programs online that the higher you charge, you know, the, the more someone pays the more likely they are to do it because it stings. And it's like, like, again, if they wanted, they could do this by themselves. Like, I mean, I, I think I offer a good amount of insight and knowledge. I help expedite the process. There's enough information online for anyone to get fit by themselves, but there's enough business. There's enough information online for anyone to start a business by themselves. Well, why don't you do it? It's, it's overwhelming. You know, you want someone to once again, ex expedite the process and to hold you accountable. So I think that that is, uh, 
a huge opportunity for especially boutique gyms to figure out how do we offer a personalized coaching experience to our clients? How do we get them to want to come into the gym and hold them accountable for doing so? And I think that the gyms are able, are able to do that will grossly differentiate themselves from, you know, the 24-hour fitness, lifetime fitness, and, you know, the Apple fitness, and we'll hopefully be able to survive. I think about Amazon, and I don't want to say her name because she's listening right now, but she's always listening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Alexa. Yeah, and, yeah. And she's going to pipe up now, I think. No, she didn't. All right, uh, cool. Uh, she, uh, yeah, we didn't. She didn't hear afterwards. Yeah. So, uh, but the way technology is going in the home, I mean, uh, something like that, that device from Amazon she's listening, uh, you know, would have been tremendously expensive to even consider or not even a, a reality, you know, so many years ago. And now anybody, you know, what are they, 50 bucks or 40 bucks, I think 100 or something for like a higher end. But to, to have that accountability, you know, thinking of health, fitness, phones, tools like that, um, just people being able to be better equipped as humans, like optimizing people all around and the impact. I, I fought technology for a little bit. You know, I remember going, oh, I miss my Nokia phone that the battery would last for three days. And uh, well, you're like, eight, you got, you're like eight years younger than me. So I don't know if you know the phone that I'm talking about, but there are a little different ones upon a time where like I had this thing called a Nokia and we called it the brick phone. Yep, yep. I could drop that thing. I could run it over. Um, there was not really bad reception. It didn't exist. It was a phone. Like it just worked all the time. And I would go two or three days talking on it, texting, and the battery would last. So I was like, oh, this new technology kind of stinks. I was like, felt like I was a 90-year-old man or something, you know, trying to fight it. And the more... I've got on board with actually trying to get out in front of it and going, okay, here's a, here's a trend. Like, what does the future hold? I don't want to, I don't want to fight it. You know, I want to assimilate into the new world. Uh, I almost want to like participate in some way or figure out like, how can I be a better person utilizing these tools to have more accountability, to have more perspective on something? Like, is this device going to tell me like, Hey Derek, um, that's actually 24 grams of caffeine. Your body does much better at 22. Take three beans off the scale. You know, like what, when and how does that happen? Is it already happening? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I often have thought about that as well as, you know, you can either fight it uh, or assimilate with it. Cause at the end of the day, the ball's already rolling. Right. I mean, I think that a lot of people, you know, they, they, they want to bitch and moan about, you know, social media and about, you know, all, all the, you know, negative attributes that can have, which obviously is warranted. But for me, I don't see it going anywhere. So, I mean, if you, if you, if that, if that's your viewpoint, if you're just going to be, you know, disgruntled and upset with technology all the time, like I understand that point of view, but to me, it's a very like pessimistic way to live your life. Because as you said, like, it, you may, might as well learn how to simulate it and use it to your advantage because there are advantages. And like I said, it's not going anywhere. So you can resist, kick and scream all you want, but it doesn't seem like, you know, there's going to be something that's just going to, you know, from the sky, these aliens are going to come out of the sky and just, you know, take away all of our technology, right? Uh, you know, who knows? But, well, you know, after 2020 happening, but I think that uh, that is an interesting question. I often ask myself is how, you know, Get doing, you know, constant check-ins of, you know, am I using my technology to my advantage? And, you know, a lot of times there's certainly 20, 30% of the time I'm not, but how do I better, you know, more efficiently and effectively use my technology, you know, for my betterment, for my habits, for my health, you know, for my relationships, all that sort of thing. 
Well, then you have wearables too. And I've tried like the whoop strap. I've mm-hmm. tried the Fitbit. It seems like I get excited about tracking some of that stuff. Get into, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned the type A personality. I'm like, cool. I did, you know, this and my heart, my resting heart rate has been 57. Like, um, I'm doing great. And then I just like, I'm like, I'm healthy. I'm a person. Like, what do I need to spend this extra time trying to get that efficient? I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not, you know, I'm not the CEO of Facebook. I don't need to have that millisecond dialed in. Um, but I, when I think about all those different tools and you said, you know, or the difference between, uh, using them effectively to make things better versus just kind of having them for leisure entertainment, you know, what's the balance then how much does that actually impact? One of my big things is, is energy management Mm -hmm. and there's physical energy, mental energy, uh, you know, and technology can, can sometimes sap that. You know, you do need a, a break from it, or is there a way that your brain eventually gets rewired to where uh, it doesn't have an impact on that? Yeah, uh, I the way I like to look at it or coach myself is, for instance, like I'm wearing uh, an aura ring right now. Okay, that tracks my sleep, and I like to use wearables at first. Similarly to how I like to encourage my clients to say, track their calories. I don't think that in my ideal lifestyle, I'm not doing that all the time, right? I don't want to live the rest of my life measuring out my food. I mean, that sounds absolutely heinous to me. I don't want to live the rest of my life measuring my sleep every goddamn night, you know, or my recovery. What I try to do is measure something for long enough to where it becomes, I I get enough data points where I can interpret the data and intuitively understand it. So I've been wearing this for a couple months and I'm seeing trends as to, okay, when I don't go to bed and wake up at the same time, I'm not getting as good deep sleep. When I'm on my phone for longer than 15 minutes before bed, my REM sleep is significant is significantly uh, less. When I drink alcohol, my REM sleep is significantly less. Um, if I had caffeine past 4 p.m., my REM and deep sleep are significantly less. In picking up on these trends, I hope that you know over the, ne- the course of the next couple months, I am basically able to interpret all the trends where I can take this thing off. If I, you know, if I want to put it back on, I can measure my sleep again. But now I can intuitively go on with the rest of my life and be like, oh, I know. I, I, I don't need to look at this every day to tell me I got shitty sleep. I was on my phone until 11 o'clock last night, and I normally go to bed at 10 and oh, wow, I don't feel as good today. Yeah, probably didn't get as good sleep. You know, same thing with my, with food. Like, okay, you know, I measured out, okay, four ounces of chicken, you know, half a cup of rice, you know, half a cup of bro- broccoli. And eventually I'm just able to be like, oh yeah, that looks like about, you know, four to five ounces. And I'm at a weight where I don't really care if I fluctuate three pounds up or three pounds down. And now I can just freely live my life without actually tracking. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's an independent or an individual thing too, because I I think of this guy that I know really well, awesome person. He regularly reminds me, he's like, you're just someone that's very like almost hyper aware of some of the things like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, some things I'm not. So when I, when you raise awareness, like you can only measure, uh, you can only grow what you know, like you can only grow what you can measure. Like things have to be tangible. Um, but I picked up on the sleep thing and I, I guess I learned through, experience maybe it would have been faster mm-hmm. if I would have figured out when I was 25 instead of 30 in some of those cases but I wasn't really trying either and I I can absolutely tell like I I love you know my brain my mind my body when my phone goes off before nine o'clock every night 
and don't eat for two, three hours. I think for me, it's like three hours. Like, you know, no, no food past seven. If I'm going to bed at 10, that type of stuff. I don't even need an alarm clock in the morning. Like you just kind of flow into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can, but not everybody has that awareness. And there are probably some things in my life that are blind spots that I'm not aware of that maybe there's not a wearable for, but um, just that per perception, that's a really valuable way to look at it. Even if you only do it for six weeks, at least you're not down the road a year going, I have sleeping problems. I can't figure this out. And you're on your phone all night, you know, uh, trying to figure out your sleeping problems when that is the sleeping problem. Right. That can be really powerful. Totally. Totally. I think that uh, naturally, if you're if you're someone who kind of seeks knowledge and wants to optimize, you know, yourself, your your health in all realms, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, um, all those different dimensions. You, if you look at it from a macro standpoint, there's a ton of different micro level habits on a day to day basis that influence those things. You know, and to our point earlier, I don't know that you could focus on all of them at the same time, but whichever one you want to improve on, like, you know, a lot of my clients will want to improve fitness. Okay. Well, like, let's look at every single variable that could potentially influence your fitness. Or, you know, in my case, if I have a business mentor, if I'm talking to you, maybe you're like, okay, what, what is every single variable that could affect your business? And now let's start measuring those. Right. And so you pick and choose what you measure depending on what your goals are. And then with the hope that eventually you gain enough awareness, like you said, that you can just intuitively do it. And you just know, like once you have knowledge, you have the knowledge. Now, you know, now what you do with it is your choice, but you have the knowledge. Yeah. That is um, that is really powerful. So your um your your fitness, so your online business, you call it the online business. Do you have tell tell me what exactly is it? What is this thing you're talking about? Yes. What you got going on? So there? it's uh it's called the Fit Playbook. Uh, okay. I started it with my business partner, Justin Powell. He's the manager at La Jolla Sports Club. I don't know if you ran into him before. Um, I'm sure you've seen him there. And he came to me. He has a background in graphic design. Has also been a trainer for you know, 15, 20 years. And I was already dabbling in the online space. And you know, he's really good at the, doing the back-end systems and the graphic design and you know, more marketing part. And I like to actually do the, uh, the training with the clients and copywriting and sales calls. And we're, we're, just lear- we're learning on the fly. But in terms of uh, what we do, we really like to uh, you know, say that we make workouts simple, effective, uh, and efficient. So a lot of our clients are you know, busy professionals and they don't have time to spend hours a day in the gym, you know, so they want to know what's going to move the needle the quickest, uh, in the least amount of time. So I work with clients and on an individual basis, developing, uh, or first and foremost, figuring out what their goal is secondarily figuring out, uh, what they have access to and how much time they have. And from there, I work backwards to figure out how they can achieve their fitness goal. And then I like to think of it as an onion, as you peel back the layer, you know, I give them the workout program first, then maybe I just give them some tips on nutrition, then I build a nutrition plan, and then I slowly work on their habits. And this happens gradually depending on on the client, but it's all 100% individualized coaching. Um, and so this is done uh, via our app. So I do a, an in, I do a consultation call with every one of our clients. Then I set them up on a workout program that I custom make uh, within the app. Uh, 
uh, nutrition program if that's what we decide is the right fit for them. Because going back to earlier, I don't want to overwhelm people. So I figure out, like, if, listen, if you're a busy CEO and you're telling me you're not in a place right now where you can actually change your diet, okay, let's get you working out first. And once you build the momentum from working out, now maybe you're like, okay, fuck, I, I, I want to start eating healthy, right? So I really, really uh, like to emphasize that it's 100% personalized. I start people, I meet them where they're at, you know? And some people are like, listen, I only got 20 minutes, three days a week. All right, listen, I'm going to have a real conversation with you that you're not going to see results as quick as this person who has an hour, three days a week. But if that's all, if that's telling me you legitimately, all you have, let's start there and, you know, let's build upon that. And so that's really what we help people do. We, uh, we pride ourselves on being very real people. Uh, you know, both, both of us like to enjoy cocktails out. You know, we like to shoot the shit with, with our friends. We like to talk shit to our friends. We, we like to be real humans. And I think that a lot of trainers, uh, they, I think a lot of people think that trainers are like, you know, uh, almost like above them where there's these perfect human beings who eat healthy all the time, who work out nonstop, you know, who just have their health under control. And like, we're not like that. And we don't expect our clients to be like that. Like, you know, you don't have to be hundred percent perfect. If you said, yeah, yes. And I went to happy hour, you know, pounded four whiskeys in a cheeseburger. Cool. Like, I mean, I'm not here to judge you on it. You know, like let's get back on track the next day and let's figure out a way. Like if that's, if that's a non-negotiable in your life, that you really just get so much joy and fulfillment out of, you know, pounding four old fashions and having a cheeseburger every Friday with your boys, let's figure out how we can keep that a part of your life and still achieve your goals. And that's something I'm very passionate about doing with my clients. You know, uh, first off, all this talk about working out is making me hungry. Maybe there's a cheeseburger, but I'm <laughs> like, man, I can really go for a cheeseburger right now. And that is, uh, you know, imperfection. Um, because you can get so caught up in trying to do things perfectly. Sometimes that prevents people from getting started altogether. We were talking about like me actually pulling the equipment out of the box. Right. It's funny. Like, yeah, this thing's moving. Um, sometimes it can it can cause like guilt and shame, which for some people is a motivator and some people is a, is a crippler. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's huge to just be real with your, with your app. So it's called the Fit Playbook. Yep. Uh, I think I have seen that on Instagram. In fact, I know I have. I didn't really, I might have saved it to like view later or something, check it out. I'm like almost going, did I share your own post with you one time? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey man, I, check out this program. Yeah, dude. Hey, this looks pretty cool. Now, are you working with people all over the world? Is it? Do they have to be local? No, no. Most of our people aren't local. Uh, me and Justin are both from Ohio. So, have a strong contingent of people from Ohio, uh, you know, family and friends. Got a lot of people from San Diego, clients and, you know, friends of clients. And then we have people all over. And we have people in Australia, uh, the UK. I, I have a girl over in Israel. Um, and then a lot, I mean, I, I feel uh, necessary to necessary to plug my boy out there with the Onnit Hydrocore <laughs> bag because we also work with uh, your friend uh, Maurizio. So we uh, have partnered with Maurizio to bring the HydroCore uh, to life where, well, he, I'm sorry, he brought the product to life, but he came to us um, wanting to develop a HydroCore program. So me and him have systematically designed a program to introduce people to the HydroCore bag. Uh, and then we have marketed that and we've sold those all across the globe because he has, you know, that guy's got a presence. Uh, he's from Italy. So we've sold that, you know, everywhere. So we, we have a presence definitely outside the U- U.S. as well as here. That's awesome, man. He was just here two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, talking about telling everybody to go to Tanzania with them. And actually, he's at Wind and Sea Beach right now working out. And I was like, I'm recording the episode. 
but let's do tomorrow. So yeah, that guy's hilarious. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Super passionate. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, when he, uh, it had to be about two years ago, I when I went to his garage before that thing really had a, like the full shape or whatever, I was you could just tell he was so excited about it. We were talking about this uh, like two weeks ago. And I was like, I don't really get it because I don't know what a Bulgarian bag is. And I, you know, I said, but I can tell you're excited and it seems really cool. Like I could see how people would use this. And that's, that's neat that you uh, participated in that. Totally. Um, yeah. It's a very versatile piece of equipment. It's great for uh, the times that we're in with gyms being closed down. I even like the handles. You can see that I have the handles separated. Yep. Uh, I use those just in the morning just to like stretch and pull and it is a different kind of just pulling them apart like i've this is the first time i ever had a piece of equipment or and he showed me he gave me like a you know we did some workouts we were showing me some mobility stuff and just how it opens up the hips and the shoulders and that um what's the the type of strength when it's when you're just pushing against it or just pulling it's a different type of uh you know, you're not contracting everything. Oh, it's, uh, isometric. Isometric. There yeah. you go. Just using that. I mean, I've, that feels pretty legit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's freaking awesome. So, well, what, what's the bare, the bare minimum? Because I can think of, you know, my grandma who might like the idea of working out from home and having somebody call her on FaceTime or something like that or go mm -hmm. through the app. But I don't know that she would be technologically savvy enough to, to interact with it. What do, you, what do you think are some of the, the bare minimum components someone would need to get started with you? Yeah, uh, I think first and foremost, uh, the dedication to want to do something, to, to want to make a change, the commitment to themselves that they're going to do it even if I'm not there, right? Because we're not going to be there holding your hand. It's not like in-person training where you're going to pay me $100, I'm going to sit there and make you do it. I'm going to give you, you're going to pay me, I'm going to give you the program, I'm going to check in, but I'm not going to be there doing the exercise with you. So I think those are the two main you know, mindset shifts. Uh, in terms of like, I mean, ideally you have access to a little bit of equipment, maybe bands and some uh, free weights, but it's not 100% necessary. Uh, you know, our ideal clientele who we work mainly with is, you know, males 25 to 45, probably. Uh, but we do with, it, with with that, there's absolutely outliers. But I think that one of the things we like to feel most comfortable with is that you do have prerequisite knowledge of how to move, right? So every, you know, every exercise is going to come with a video and a breakdown exactly how to do it. But I feel most comfortable training people online who have some sort of movement history and are just at least familiar with exercise. If someone is 100% novice, it can be done. It takes a little bit more handholding and a lot of dedication on their part because they really need to want to do it. But a lot of times I'll kind of tell them that, hey, you know what, you'd be, probably be better off just seeing a trainer in person for a couple months to make sure you're doing everything really, really well, lay a solid foundation, and then turn to you know a more do-it-yourself you know, through a guided program approach. Makes sense. So guided program, that's a good word. Yeah, I think, yeah, it kind of just came up down on the fly, but that is, that's very much so <laughs> how it is, right? So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to optimize this, you know, like I said, to be as efficient as possible at getting you to your, to your goals. Uh, and I'm going to give you the blueprint and you're going to execute the blueprint and you're going to report back with any issues. And I'm going to check in to make sure that it's, you know, going well and that you're reaching those, those goals, but I'm not going to be there, you know, watching you do every single exercise. What do you, uh, what do you see down the road for the fit playbook? So, 
Oh man. Uh, a lot of things, you know, I would love to have an entire team. I'd like to be a one-stop shop for people. So I've worked with a lot of different practitioners over the course of my life just because I'm a very curious guy and I like health and wellness and I find great benefit in, you know, acupuncture, functional medicine, uh, you know, within functional medicine, nutritionists, you know, physical therapists. And I would really love for the Fit Playbook to encompass everything from physical therapists to functional medicine doctors who could cover nutrition to personal trainers where someone comes in, we basically take care of their entire health. Uh, we're working in the process of uh, partnering with like a meal delivery service. So I'd love for someone to come in. They get a movement assessment from a physical therapist to see if they have any kind of injuries, uh, you know, nagging them, what their limitations are. Uh, they then meet with a functional medicine doctor to, uh, test their uh, micronutrient levels. So, you know, vit all, all their vitamins and minerals, as well as maybe their gut health or any other issues that they may be having, you know, brain fog, fatigue. Uh, and then they give them an ideal, you know, nutrition protocol. Maybe they have some food sensitivities. They should avoid gluten, dairy. Uh, they develop the meal plan for them. We are able to custom make meal plans through a meal delivery service. So if they decide that they would like all, they don't want to cook at all, we'll send them uh, their ideal uh, um, meal plan. And then we have a trainer who builds the program and checks in with them. And, you know, so really, you know, we're covering, we're optimizing someone's health, you know, through movement, uh, through nutrition uh, and through supplementation. And then we're there if they, if they have injuries to also help them rehab. Um, and that's why I'd love to see the Fit Playbook grow into yeah, that's really the the full package there. Those meal deliveries, uh, I'd be interested in seeing what you do. I, I actually just tried one recently again. It'd been a while. And this is probably just a, a me thing. But I get it out and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the box and I'm like, cool. And I make it. And as I'm making it, I'm like, it's not going to be enough food. So I end up making dinner around it. But what I realize is, well, at least I'm making dinner. Because I still ended up cooking a bunch of healthy stuff. Uh, with it versus going to grabbing a pizza or a burrito or something like that. So even though um, the value there was like the meal wasn't the complete like what I wanted everything for dinner, I found value in the fact that at least at least I'm cooking regularly, which I do like to do anyways. But I was trying to do it for a convenience things. So yeah, you were fine. I mean, I feel like I could eat some like three or four of some of those meal delivery things at a time. Totally. And that's why we haven't partnered with any yet because we've been testing a lot and yeah, I'm kind of underwhelmed by a lot of them in terms of just, you know, some of the, the ones that taste good or, you know, have shitty ingredients and the ones that, you know, that don't have shitty ingredients just kind of taste pretty bland, you know? So we're really, we've been testing out a lot of different ones, you know, to, to try and fix that problem. Because I do find that, you know, whenever you're freezing meals and sending them. Like, a lot of them can just have the tendency to be a little bit bland. It just starts to taste very similarly, you know? Um, and I, but I think it, you touched on a point that almost, you know, to circle all the way back that as long as you're moving the needle forward somehow, right? So maybe you don't want every single meal. Maybe you just want one meal a day that is, you know, pre-made healthy. And then maybe that because you ate that one healthy meal, that's, you know, decent tasting, you end up making a healthier choice that night, or you end up cooking, uh, that night. Because if you didn't have that meal, you were in such a hurry. And so hangry at lunch that you, you know, made a terrible decision. And that got the ball, ball rolling to where you're like, Oh, I already messed up once. So I'm going to go ahead and eat a shitty meal for dinner now. And so I think a lot of, uh, well, I have anything, but a lot of fitness coaching comes down to building momentum. You know, how do you build and establish and keep momentum? And I think that meal plan delivery service can, services can be great uh, from that standpoint. 
Yeah, momentum is the the key to life, in my opinion. I've read this really cool samurai book, and it the word rhythm has stuck with me since it. And he just basically the way he was describing life, it, I almost thought about like he'd built momentum pretty much for decades, and it was like he was so disciplined as a samurai that I mean he was like the best samurai, like nobody could defeat him type thing, and. Um, but he talked about the rhythm of life, you know, going to bed at a certain time, waking up at a certain time. And that's how I think of momentum. You can throw it off and then you're a little bit out of rhythm and you have to work to get back in that rhythm. And then the rhythm gets stronger. It's like a larger uh, energy. You know, with uh, you said hang, hangry. <laughs> and one of the experiences that I've been testing, I actually did. Uh, I do like the nootropic sometimes. Mm-hmm. What I have found which i just noticed is uh taking an like some alpha brain or and i think it's alpha brain specifically i tried some like neuro gum and some other stuff is that and it could just be something else that i that i introduced at the same time that i didn't figure out yet but i would get these really just interesting cravings towards the end of the day and i, I started thinking okay is this because that's making my brain work really hard and my brain wants more like sugar energy to, for fuel? Is it just because it, it made me, you know, work harder all day long? And so I'm trying to like feed that deficit or is there is there something else there? You know, but the, have you ever found that with nootropics? Yeah, you know, now that you bring it up, I don't know that I've ever been necessarily aware of that, but I do think that when I do take nootropics, my brain is like firing on all cylinders and I tend to go at tasks for a lot longer than I normally would. And I think I notice that whenever I do that, when I'm in a very concentrated state for an extended period of time, that I do just crave food and specifically I crave carbohydrates, you know, Mm -hmm. which probably goes, I'm probably burning glycogen at some level and my brain just burning through so much, you know, which glycogen is like our fastest burning energy. So it's probably just burning a shit ton of carbohydrates. I mean, this is a complete hypothesis on my part. I have no idea. Uh, but I'm just speculating that maybe that's what's happening. Cause I do notice the same thing happening for myself where after I take nootropics and really bang out work for a concentrated amount of time and crave something kind of sweet and, and carbohydrate rich. Yeah. I think I just cracked the code on the nootropics as you were saying that too. I mean, that's, that's sort of where my brain was working towards because there's nothing in life is for free. So if you're going to get a boost like that, it has to come from somewhere. So I'm thinking, I wonder if there's some sort of a, a way to get out in front of it, like a, a complex carbohydrate that would meet that that energy uh, requirement to prevent that. Well, I, I think that that touches on an interesting point of any kind of stimulant or nootropic, I think it feels really, really good to be in the flow state. If you're someone who likes to get shit done, like it feels amazing. You don't want to stop that flow state. And I think what happens a lot of times is you go for longer than you normally would without eating because you're in that flow state. And what happens a lot of times when you eat, it kind of can kick you out of the flow state. So at least speaking for myself personally, is I'll extend the period of which I am you know, fasting or not eating for a couple more hours so I can just continue to bang out more work. And I think that the real secret is if you can figure out something to eat that will not throw you out of the flow state, which normally is probably not carbohydrates, but probably fat and protein rich. Like I have at times like done like just a simple like Epic bar and maybe like a tablespoon of almond butter, but it's very personal, right? Like some 
something like if I, if you eat too much, it's just going to throw you out of whack. Your digestive system is going to start working really hard. And you're going to probably get kicked out of that flow state. So I think the, the real secret is if you can figure out something to eat while you're in that state to carry you. Oh, so you don't, you know, get into, you don't get super hangry, right? So you don't get to that point where you haven't eaten in six to eight hours. That sounds very onity. Is Epic Bar is not from Onnit too, or no? No, it's not. There, I forget who makes on or who makes Epic like Bars. Buffalo Bar. Or I've seen. I haven't tried any of those their okay. their bars yet. But Epic Bar is good. It, it's all like grass fed, like bison and whatnot. It, it's pretty legit. And, and digestion takes a ton of energy. Yeah. So going back to that energy management, it's almost like all right, you know, eating less in general. That's been something I've had a ton of fun with over the years. Is going from the point where I could eat, we got a little friend flying. Yeah, there. yeah. Like, and I could still go crush. I was talking to a buddy in Milwaukee yesterday. Like, I can go crush probably. I'm confident that I could eat a large pizza and be quote unquote unfazed. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially, not really. I mean, you have consequences of that. But I can also, you know, not eat for a long period of time and sort of feel pretty good. And it, I guess it, it's weird. To, um, to be in a place over the last, especially the last year, I've played a lot, experimented a lot with it to kind of go, what does my body actually need versus what is my brain trained to think it needs mm -hmm. for yeah. energy? Yeah, I think that's, that's interesting. I, not often, but I do talk uh, with my clients somewhat and just with my friends about, you know, when it comes to health and fitness and eating food, you, you know, you have to choose what you're after, right? What's your goal? Is it body composition? Do you want to build muscle? Do you want to lose fat? Do, are you looking for longevity? Are you looking for cognitive performance? You know, are you looking for energy? These are all require different eating requirements, right? Like if you're trying to build muscle, like you're probably gonna be a little groggy. You know, you're eating more calories than your body really wants to. You're forcing it to grow. You're gonna be sleeping more. You're gonna be napping. Like you're not gonna have that mental acuity that you maybe crave on the nootropic, you know? Whereas, you know, if you're eating a lot less throughout the day, almost in a calorie deficit, I have a very fast metabolism and I start getting, you know, I get start getting super skinny. You know, my body dysmorphia kicks in. I'm like, man, I'm looking so scrawny. Like, damn, I need to put on more weight. But mental acuity and energy wise, holy shit, I'm just on another level. I feel like, you know, I'm clouds above where I'm normally at. And I think having the real honest assessment once again, like, okay, what is my main goal in life right now, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it fitness? Am I planning for a show? Do I care? Do I care if I lose five pounds of muscle mass to increase my productivity on a day-to-day -day basis and energy? I think that's just an honest conversation to have with yourself and something that's very important so that you know how to eat more, more effectively for you, you know, and you're not, once you're not going through the roller coaster of one day, you're panicking. So you're overeating. And then, you know, two days later, you're like, oh, I ate too much. I'm going to starve myself, right? And going back to the rhythm, your body never gets in the rhythm. So deciding what that goal is and kind of sticking to it for a couple of months so your body can get used to that rhythm, I think helps a lot in my own experience. Um, let my body get back to like homeostasis and, you know, where it feels best at. And that's, that's huge. Uh, you know, Neil at the Loyola Sports Club when I was working out with them, when I first sat, sat down and talked about like what my goals are, and this was probably a year and a half ago and I was working with, um, kind of like a startup company, but they're doing fundraising and like mental acuity. That focus was super critical and everything. Like I didn't want to miss a beat for a day. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him and I said, I don't know. I said, to, he's like, well, you know, what are you doing now? Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I don't want to put on like muscle or anything. I said, everything I, I've designed right now around my eating, my sleeping, my workout 
is around energy management Mm -hmm. from even like getting on the elliptical. I could very specifically get into a certain amount of focus that I knew I could drive, you know, aspects of the business for the next two hours. And I just remember him to kind of, I don't know how I exactly described it, but he just looked at me like, you're a very weird person. You know, was, uh, I was like, like, had no desire. I said, said something like, I don't really care what my muscles look like. Like, this is what I'm going for. It's just energy, just yeah. in charge. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of my favorite parts about exercise. That's how I use exercise mainly is for a mental hack, right? Like, but like, okay, I like to do creative writing these days and it, it, it helps move the needle forward in our online business, you know, telling stories about people. Uh, who have been fit or my own story and helps us build an online presence. And I am like, you know what? I have my best creative writing hours after a more of a cardio-ish style workout, uh, cardio to high intensity interval. So you know what? On Tuesday, Thursdays, I'm going to do that kind of workout, you know, after breakfast. And then I'm going to dedicate two hours to create to creative writing. And I, I that goes back to what I really like to help people design that those kind of workout plans, right? Like to me, working out should be a symbiotic relationship to helping you with your life, not, you know, not taking away more of your life. And depending on what the goal is, it just looks a lot different. Absolutely. No, that's huge, man. And that's... uh that's real big. Well, I think that's a, a good kind of a good place we can. It's so beautiful right now. You know, I'm sitting here looking at the sun coming in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a gorgeous Saturday. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. How, how about this? How can people find you? You have the Fit Playbook. Give yourself some some plugs, mailing list, Instagram, whatever you got going on. Yeah, yeah. So um, my personal account is at Max Holdreth. H-O-L-D-R-I-E-T-H. I Uh, I believe Derek follows me here. So you can find me on his page. And I post multiple times a week, just everything from my own life to uh, fitness and nutrition tips. And then our business account is at the underscore fit playbook. And you'll find a lot of our client testimonials and uh, other tidbits quick. You know, we like our content to be exactly how our program is quick, efficient, easy to digest, uh, tactical information. Uh, and from there, you know, we come out with an article every week and you'll uh, see a post about that. You can click to read more about our article. And, you know, you, um, I trust that all of you know how to subscribe to our newsletter from there if you desire to do so. That's cool, man. Well, congratulations on the business, on the pivot, building something special, being in a uh, fantastic place, both uh, physically by location. We're in a not too shabby of a spot. Not bad at and, all. And uh, look like you've really cracked some awesome codes on uh, living the good life. So keep up the good work and thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. Absolutely. See, this is the real secret of life to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. 